We're talking about a major proposal that would reshape Meyer League Baseball on episode 120 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Along with the major plans by MLB, here are the scores from week 8 of high school football. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to sports happening in the Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio region. Visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast to listen on your favorite platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and more. Follow the host on Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen and the podcast at Cindy Pod. Opening theme is Arpy by Dan Hennig from the YouTube Music Library Collection. Now for your host, Lee W. Mowen. Happy two-year anniversary to Save the Crew on this day back in 2017. Supporters of the Columbus Crew SC squad rally at City Hall in response to the possible relocation news. And the crew are still here today. Busiest team in the market for new faces this summer, which is known as the transfer window, trying to build the new identity. Have good thoughts about 2020 for the crew. Hopefully FC Cincinnati too. And just 10 days ago, the first shovels hit the ground on a new downtown stadium in front of over 4,000 people. That's impressive. So happy two-year anniversary to save the crew. And now we look at week eight scores from Ohio High School football. Also week nine scores, which means the end of the regular season in Indiana. So we'll start off with Ohio and we'll go to the cross county conference first. As Tri-Village hands Twin Valley South a 58-20 loss, Patriots win it in West Alex, and Sonia takes care of Tri-County North, 52-34, Covington 57, Arcanum 0, Fort Loramie 59, Mississippi Valley 8, Miami East 28, National Trail 13, as the Blazers, I believe that's now their f- third straight loss, and Bethel 40, Bradford 14. To the Southwestern Buckeye League we go, as Valley View defeats Milton Union on the road, 49-48, and overtime, very close game between the Spartans and the Bulldogs in West Milton. Bellbrook shuts out Brookville in the Battle of the Brooks, 41-0, and no, they're not next to each other. Brookville is an actual village, western Montgomery County, and Bellbrook is in western Greene County. Apparently there's a bell somewhere, I don't know. Preble Shawnee, 47, Dixie, 13. Waynesville 48, Carlisle 14, Middletown Madison shutting out the Northridge Polar Bears 27-0, Monroe 35, Oakwood 14, and Franklin big winners over Eaton 42-0. Upwards to the Miami Valley League we go as Stebbins defeats Vandalia Butler 21-13, Xenia 37, Tippecanoe 3, Troy 9, Fairborn 7, Sydney 49, West Carrollton 25, and Piqua 21, Greenville 7. To the Thursday night TV game in the Greater Western Ohio Conference as Springfield defeats Centerville 41-28. Coach Maurice Douglas not happy with the result of the Wildcats and saying that the Wildcats were going to practice on Friday. Tropwood 49, Beaver Creek 7. Wayne defeats Fairmont in overtime 13-7. If Fairmont held on to the score, the 7-0 lead they had, that would have been the first win for the Firebirds against Wayne, ever. Northmont 41, Miamisburg 7, and Springboro back on the winning track by defeating their Warren County foe, Lebanon, 52-3. In the Central Buckeye Conference, Bell Fountain soars high over Kenton Ridge, 41-7. North Union edges out Northwestern, 14-12. Jonathan Alder defeats Tecumseh, 35-14. Springfield Shawnee defeats London, 30-22. Graham 29, Urbana 16, as the Hill Climbers still looking for their first win of the year, and Indian Lake 49, Benjamin Logan 13. 
In the Northwest Central Conference, as Harden Norvin edges out Marion Elgin. 12-8, Lima Perry defeats Ridgemont 56-0. Waynesville Goshen on top of Lehman Catholic 34-14. And Riverside defeats Upper Scioto Valley 20-6. In the Western Buckeye League, as we stay north for these scores, Wapakoneta shuts out Salina 38-0. Ottawa Glandorf defeats Defiance 38-7. Van Wert 56, Elida 23. St. Mary's 35, Lima Bath 7, and Kenton shutout winners over Lima Shawnee 28-0. Into the Ohio Heritage Conference as Greenan keeps rolling 59-19 over Cedarville. Masson Plains edges out Southeastern 22-13. Fairbanks takes care of Triad 45-6. Greenview shuts out Springfield Catholic Central 55-0. West Liberty Salem edges out West Jefferson. 42-39, first loss in the year for the Rough Riders. And the Tigers getting back on the winning track as well. Mechanicsburg shuts out Northeastern, 49 nothing. To the Midwest Athletic Conference as Minster edges out Marion Local, 27-26. Anna defeats Coldwater, 49-8. New Bremen takes care of Versailles, 23-7. Parkway, 49. Delphi St. John's, 35. Fort Recovery, 24. St. Henry, 21. To the Dayton City League, there were two games in conference play as Dunbar shut out Meadowdale 55-0 and Belmont with a shutout win of their own, Bison 42, Ponix Tech 0. To the Greater Catholic League, we go as Baden hands Fenwick a 34-6 decision, Rams defeating the Falcons. Eagles soaring over McNicholas as Shamana Julian wins 14-7, Carroll 17, Alter 10, and LaSalle 22, St. Xavier 15. To the Cincinnati Hills League we go as Wyoming shuts out Finneytown 37-0. Indian Hill 56, Taylor 7, Madeira 35, Deer Park 14, and Marymont 22-10 winners over Reading. To the Greater Miami Conference in the Battle of the Lakotas, West defeats East 16-7, Princeton over Oak Hills 40-7, Colerain 33, Mason 28, Fairfield 31, Sycamore 3, and Hamilton 41, Middletown 24 in the Battle of Butler County. In the Eastern Cincinnati Conference, Turpin edges out Anderson 29-28 on a last-second two-point conversion made by the Spartans as Anderson unable to defeat the undefeated Spartans. Kings rolls big over Milford 52-7, West Claremont 35 with throw 7, and Walnut Hills 55, Loveland 32. The Tigers do not pick up their first one of the year, but they score the season high of 32 points in their loss to Walnut Hills. In the Southern Buckeye Athletic and Academic Conference, East Clinton defeats Williamsburg 42-27. Claremont Northeastern blasts off against Fayetteville 44-6. Clinton Massey shuts out Batavia 63-0. Goshen 35, Western Brown 21. New Richmond defeats Wilmington 27-13, and Blanchester 30, Bethel Tate 24. Your three games in the Southwest Ohio Conference is Talawanda beats Edgewood 28-26. Little Miami hands Ross a rare loss this year, 24-21 Panthers win, and Mount Healthy 54, Northwest 20. In the Cincinnati Metro Athletic Conference, Taft Defeats Western Hills in a shutout, 39-0. Hughes defeats Woodward by 30 at 32-2. And Aiken defeats Gamble Monticerio on a Thursday night, 38-0. In the Miami Valley Conference, we have New Miami continuing to roll their first win over North College Hill in, what was it, 18 years? Since the early 2000s. Big win for the Vikings. They defeat the Trojans, 48-26. Roger Bacon keeps rolling as the Spartans defeat CHCA 58-32. Clark Montessori edges out Cincinnati Country Day 20-19. Cincinnati College Prep winners on Saturday over St. Bernard 42-36. And same with Summit Country Day, they defeat Purcell Marion 35-12. Your non-conference games in Week 8 in Ohio, Elder defeats Witten Woods 43-38 as the Warriors had a halftime lead. A very small halftime lead, but a halftime lead nonetheless. And the Panthers come back and take it from the Warriors. St. Ignatius defeats Muller on a Saturday, 38-7. Thurgood Marshall defeats Collinwood and the Railroaders, 29-14. Troy Christian, 56. Hillcrest, 0. Lachlan edges out Schroeder, 7-6. 
Harrison defeats Franklin County, Indiana, 55-7. Dayton Christian shut out winners over Dome Prep, 26-0. Norwood looking for their first win of the year. They were close, but no cigar for the Indians, as Kip Columbus defeats Norwood, 48-46. And Wayne Trace wins big over Jefferson Township, 54-0. To Wayne County, Indiana, and... Connorsville, as Richmond rolls over the Kokomo Wildcats, 48-13. Northeastern defeats Hagerstown, 18-12. Batesville, 42. Connorsville, 13. Union City, 26. Winchester, 24. Big win for the Indians. Knightstown, 7. Better over Centerville, 14-7. South Decatur edges out Lincoln, 29-28. And Tri rolls against the Patriots of Union County, 38-7. Keep in mind for Indiana, that's the regular season sectional start this upcoming week. College scores, we got them. Number 21, Cincinnati defeats Tulsa on Saturday, 24-13. Miami edges out Northern Illinois, 27-24. Redhawks win. Cincinnati Christian defeats Union, 24-16, snapping a six-game losing streak from the Eagles, their second win all-time in football history. A school that I haven't been mentioning because I've got to include them. Sorry, Mount St. Joseph. The Cougars roll over Bluffton 38-14, and Mount St. Joseph is now 6-0 in the season. Stetson hands Dayton a loss in Florida 38-21. Wabash upsets Wittenberg 31-13. Marietta defeats Wilmington 35-26. Urbana 35, West Virginia State 31. Tuskegee 21, Central State 10, in a game that was tied 7-7 at the half. The Marauders only could muster a field goal after the half. Tuskegee with two more touchdowns. Thomas Moore falls to number 9, Lindsey Wilson, 55-21. Loyola Chicago defeats Wright State. I believe it was 27-7. The Raiders now 3-3 on the year. And I believe Miami Club was off. They'll host Milwaukee this upcoming Saturday. We'll talk about the Bengals game before the break. They fall to Jacksonville 27-17 and a bad fourth quarter collapse. Cleveland and Pittsburgh were off this week and Indianapolis defeats Houston 30-23. And also the World Series has been decided. It'll be the Houston Astros and the Washington Nationals. First World Series in D.C. in quite some time. You have to go back to the 1930s for the last one. And your look at Wright State and Dayton Falls Sports. The Raiders volleyball team drop both contests in Wisconsin to Green Bay-Milwaukee in four sets. Now in a three-game slide as the Raiders take on NKU on the road this Friday. Women's soccer for Wright State defeated Detroit Mercy on the road 3-1. And now the Raiders get to host Youngstown State tomorrow, this Wednesday. Then at IUPUI Sunday. Men's soccer will be home tonight against number 21 Marshall. And then heading to Cleveland State on Saturday after knocking off Detroit Mercy at home 3-1. to one, And the Raiders now 2-3 and three in HL play. Currently 6th place in the Horizon League. Onwards to UD as women's soccer defeated Duquesne in overtime 2-1 to one before falling at VCU 1-0 on the road. Flyers host Fordham this Thursday before ending the regular season at LaSalle on Sunday. For the Flyers men's soccer team, a big win at SLU as the Flyers handed St. Louis their first A-10 loss on the year at St. Louis 2-1. Flyers get to host Duquesne tomorrow and then travel to St. Joseph's on Saturday. And volleyball continues to roll as the Flyers are 7-0 in conference play, sweeping both the Fordham and Rhode Island Rams on the road. And the Georges come in to Ferricks this week with Washington on Friday and Mason on Sunday. That's your look at the ever scores, and now I suppose we get to talk about that Bengals loss. Hooray! Looking at the good old game book, as the Jaguars definitely won it in the fourth quarter. The Bengals, I believe, were up 10-9 after three quarters. As the Jaguars held the ball for 38 minutes and 17 seconds, the Bengals 21 minutes, 43 seconds. Yeah, the possession... Definitely favor the Jacksonville Jaguars. 0 oh, and 7 are the Bengals. Oh, by the way, I was right. That fourth quarter, Jacksonville scored 18 points. Not 8, not 10, 18. The Bengals only scored 7. 
in there. Tough loss for the Bengals to take on the chin. 0-7 as Andy Dalton threw for 276 yards. One touchdown, three interceptions. And the legacy of Minshew II. 255 yards, 15 of 32, one touchdown, no picks. Neither quarterback receiving a great rating. Minshew was at 84.8, but Dalton was at 50.1. Rushing-wise, well, the Bengals got 33 yards. And most of that was from Andy Dalton's 33 yards. Mixon had two yards on 10 carries. Two yards on 10 carries. That's not two carries for 10 yards. That's two yards on 10 carries. That's inexcusably bad. Bernard, zero yards on four carries. What has happened to this run game, and why is it so awful? Oh, by the way, if you're looking at Jacksonville, well, no rushing touchdowns, but 216 yards cranked out on 44 carries. Fournette, the bulk of them, 131 yards on 29 carries. Minshew rushed for 48 yards on nine keeps. D.D. Westbrook had 14 yards on two carries. He was a wide receiver that I had at the start of the fantasy football season. And I like to go back to the Bengals. 33 yards. Positive rushing yards. All of them came from Dalton. Actually, that's not true. Mixon had two. But Erickson had negative two on two carries. So that kind of wipes out that. So 33 yards and most of that from Dalton. And also Dalton had the lone rushing touchdown for Cincinnati. That's inexcusable when your running backs are outganged by your quarterback 33 to 2. I'm sorry, 33. Well, yeah, Erickson's not really a running back. He's a wide receiver. Erickson did have himself a day through the air though. 137 yards on eight catches, 14 targets. Boyd, 55 yards, five Catches on 14 targets. Not too great. 5 of 14. 8 of 14 is a little better, but eh. Alden Tate, 65 yards on 3 catches. 10 catches, 2 or 10 yards on 2 catches for Eifert. 4 yards, 2 catches for Bernard. Sample a catch, 3 yards. And Mixon, a catch for 2 yards. For the 276 yards the Bengals got through the air. Why is the running game so awful? Why? It's ridiculous. Mixon held to two yards. The Bengals again, 33 yards. That's pathetic. That's pitiful. That's unacceptable. Bengals did get three rushing first downs, though. That's something, I guess. Actually, the Bengals out uh, first downed the Jaguars through the air 12 to 10 and through penalties 6 to 1. But the Jaguars got 11 first downs on the ground compared to 3 for Cincinnati. That gave the Jaguars 22 first downs to Cincinnati's 21. Third down efficiency, the Bengals close to 500, 5 of 12, and Jacksonville 4 of 16. However, they did convert 1 of 2 on fourth down, did the Jaguars. 460 total yards by Jacksonville, 291 for Cincinnati. Until this running game can average, oh, more than 33 yards, I'm not seeing a win this year. Why did the Factory of Sadness have to relocate to Cincinnati from Cleveland? Just, it's getting tiresome talking about how the Bengals blew another game. Yeah, you can keep mentioning that there's fight in all of them, and no one's given up, but uh, I want to see some better results. I want to see the Bengals actually do well. And having a running game that, what is that average now? 33 yards this game? That's ridiculously low. I don't think the Bengals have 100 yards average by the running game this year. I think they reached that plateau maybe once. Maybe. Seven losses. Oh, by the way, Dalton's run was when it was too late. 
trailing 27-10 in garbage time. Oh, this Bengals team. I'll keep talking about them because, hey, I'm a Bengals fan, and that's the point of this podcast, talking Cincinnati and Dayton sports. But I'm running out of reasons to think, oh, they'll start to play better next week. Again, I'll tell you that first half of time possession, the Jaguars held onto the ball at 21 minutes, 41 seconds, to Cincinnati's 8.19. That's 8 minutes, 19 seconds. And the 7-6 Bengals at the half, too. These game books make it harder and harder to talk about the Bengals. I'm just... I mean, the the whole spiel during last week about A.J. Green possibly returning, now that day's pushed back to the 29th. That's next Monday. <sighs> These Bengals... New day indeed. I concur that we need a change at coaching, but this upcoming 2020 draft, the Bengals better think about depth and getting some new faces in there. By the way, former Bengal, Mohamed Sanu, he's now from Atlanta to New England in a trade that sends a second-round pick to the Falcons. I really like that trade, too, because I think that'll help with the wide receiving core and Josh Gordon being hurt with his angle injury. I mean, it's a nice little piece. Bengals 0-7. Your second-place teams in the AFC North are Cleveland and Pittsburgh at 2-4. and Baltimore's at 5-2. and Lamar Jackson looks pretty darn good this year. I was going to say ace, but can you really have aces in football? I don't know. Seven straight losses. Rivaled only by Miami's 0-6 record. They had a week off. And this week they have Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football. Should be a win for Pittsburgh. Just trying to think. Going to Cincinnati's schedule for a moment. Looking back at the draft, I thought it was a great draft. We're now staring at 0-7. And all... Oh, I guess Joe Mixon was the leading rusher in the Pittsburgh hosting Cincinnati game. Week 8 is the trip to London. I know Dave Lapham was talking about it last week. They'll face the Los Angeles Rams at Wembley Stadium. Personally, I don't mind the London games. It'll be a 1 o'clock Eastern game. Hmm, normally those are the early morning games. But, yeah. Since they will be the away team, apparently there's a bar that's been in existence for close to 30 years out there in uh, England with Bengals fans, so that's cool. And they'll get to ask questions on the the pep game, or the pep pep talk, whatever it's called, pep rally show. Sorry, that's on Friday evenings, and that's what I listen to when I'm on my way to Cincinnati. This time being stuck on 275 East for about 30 minutes from Moss Teller to 71 North. Yeah, traffic jams aren't fun. But don't worry, that $1 billion bypass, or should I say buy-bypass, which make it a tri-pass, will be built and then everything will be better, except no, it won't, because that just means there's more traffic out there. So, there you go. Next home game for the Bengals, Week 10. And that means after the Cincinnati Rams game, Week 9, we won't get to talk about a Bengals loss, because it's the bye week. And then of our fan bases, probably mostly the Browns, Steelers, and, well, pretty much everyone in football, Saying the Bengals will lose a bye week by 26. So, yay. Looking at the remaining schedule. That Cincinnati game's at Miami. Whoa. New England is at Cincinnati. 
Tom Brady's going to shred the defense, isn't he? Good thing I have him on fantasy. Week 13 is the Jets in Cincinnati. Didn't look good last night. Sam Darnold had a couple of interceptions, I think. His first one to... Who made that? Missing off the top of my head. I, I won. Tom Brady got me enough points to win against the winless team in fantasy football, but there you go. People were calling for the Bengals to start Ryan Finley. I I mean, three interceptions, Dalton, that's hard to defend, but I still don't think Dalton is the problem of the Bengals. I keep pointing out the offensive line, but look at the running game. It's horrid. How do you have one of the one of the stronger running backs in the league, and you can only muster two yards from him? Well, the Bengals games are on CBS. That's something. I still think the Bengals can snag a win against the Jets or the Dolphins, which will probably be super tankable if you watch urinating tree stuff. But, yeah. So this upcoming Sunday, the Bengals will be at Wembley Stadium against the Los Angeles Rams. A team that's struggling at their own as well. But, yeah. Not as bad as the Bengals. Let's say that. Just out of curiosity, tell you what the Rams are doing in the standings before their trip to Wembley. This computer will ever load. I can tell you that the Rams are... Doing better than the uh, the Bengals. In fact, they defeated the Atlanta Falcons 37-10 this week. NFC West Rams are in third place. Game back of Seattle at five and two, and looking up at the undefeated San Francisco 49ers six and zero. And Arizona has three wins. They won three in a row. Impressive. Now three three and one. That one draw was to Detroit. Look at the standings. Chargers are two and five, which is uh, tied with Denver, which is not great. Kansas City leading the AFC West five and two. Oakland three and three. Surprising since last year was a bad year for the Raiders. They did beat Pittsburgh again though last year, so that's something. And that's all I'd like to talk about the Bengals. Oh, and seven and to England. Ugh. I'm sure the. Um, the folks at Wembley Stadium will enjoy seeing that game. Can't wait to talk about what's probably going to be a Bengals loss. But, especially with uh, Ramsey now being a Ram, which I just realized Bengals probably weren't going to see Ramsey if he was still in Jacksonville, if that trade never happened. But now they get to see him one week later in England. Joy. Anyway, that concludes the... Coverage of Bengals, now 0-7. And after the break, we'll talk about the MLB proposal, which would definitely hinder the shape of minor league baseball and the farm systems. What's it entail? You'll have to stay tuned for part two of episode 120 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Hey, listeners. Did you know that you can buy gear supporting the local Sunday sports podcast? Visit the LeeWMallon.com slash podcast, then click on Buy Podcast Merchandise, made by T Public. You can get shirts, hoodies, mugs, phone cases, and even stickers. Check out the local Sunday sports gear by T Public. Hey folks, this is Lee W. Mallon of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. I'm here to talk to you about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain why. Anchor is 100% free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership required. It's everything you need to make a podcast, all in one place, and all for free. I love hosting on Anchor. It's been super easy to upload episodes, and when I had a problem with something, their tech support got it fixed very quickly. 
Download the free Anchor app on Google Play or in the App Store, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, the easiest way on making a podcast. And now for our feature presentation. Yes, I know this podcast episode's already near 30 minutes, but there you go. So this article is titled, MLB Proposal Would Eliminate 42 Minor League Teams. It's written by J.J. Cooper, and it's available to read on BaseballAmerica.com. There's an editor's note on here stating that they got a couple things wrong. The first thing they fix is talking about the MLB draft moving back to August. When, no, it wouldn't be that late. It would just be after the College World Series. Second thing, the number of roster spots would be limited between 150 200 players, where in the article it's talking about a hard cap at 150, which is a lot. There are two sources for this part of the podcast. I mentioned J.J. Cooper, BaseballAmerica.com. Read the article. It's a pretty long article. There's a four-part writing by Doug Gray of RedsMeyerLeagues.com. And something I think you should check out, both those things. So this is something that would create a lot of tidal waves in every level of baseball, from high school to the majors. So Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball are talking. The current professional baseball agreement, which is shortened to PBA, ends after next season. But if a new proposal were to become reality... More than three dozen cities with affiliated minor league teams will lose those teams a year from now, and thousands of minor league players would be out of a job. And that's not just, you know, players, that's also staff and faculty of certain teams. The MLB proposal is just one idea of a start what will likely be a long and lengthy negotiation. But these two sides are further apart than ever since 1990. MLB wants to really improve minor league baseball stadium facilities, as well as take control how minor leagues are organized as far as affiliations and geography of leagues. So, for the Dayton Dragons, they are a single-A team. They're in the Midwest League, which spans from Iowa to... East Cleveland, Ohio. If I think there's any teams out there in Pennsylvania, no, there's not. It'd be Cleveland, Ohio. It's pretty spaced out. I mean, for the Dragons, you got Bowling Green in Bowling Green, Kentucky, Lake County. You got three Michigan teams. You got two in Indiana. And then you got several in Illinois, Iowa, and two in Wisconsin. That's your Midwest League makeup. So, not only is this proposal saying that, hey, we're going to cut a quarter of the 160 teams in minor league baseball, we're also going to rework the leagues, trying to fit them better geographically. I think it's in this article where they're talking about how the Pacific Coast League, which is AAA, would lose six other teams to fall to 10, and International League would gain 10 to make it 20. It also talks about the South Atlantic League losing a lot of their teams to just have six, and then the teams that they lost would form, I think it's a Mid-Atlantic League, I think the names it calls it in the article. This is the Baseball America article. We'll touch on Doug Gray's four-parter in a little bit. MLB wants to completely rework the PDC process, which is player development contract process, to ensure MLB clubs can have MILB affiliates that meet their desires geographically. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds, single A's in Dayton, triple A's in Louisville, Kentucky, double A's in Chattanooga, Tennessee, advanced A's in Daytona Beach, Florida. Rookie League, you have Greenville, Tennessee, the Greenville Reds, that's the home of the Rookie League Appalachian League team, and you got the Billings Montana Mustangs for the Pioneer League, also rookie ball. And there's an Arizona League team for Cincinnati as well. So think about it. 160 teams right now in minor league baseball cut down to 120. It cuts on players, managers, and 
off the field stuff. That's why I mentioned the AAA Pacific Coast falling to 10 teams from 16 and International League grow up to 20 teams. It is one of the paragraphs on Baseball America's site. Also, they mentioned the short season Northwest League will go to full season ball. And also, MLB would ask some teams to jump up a couple levels, or some even jumping down a couple levels. And there will be moves in between between as well. Like you might see advanced A to double A, double A to advanced A, maybe single A to advanced A. The proposal lays out variations for different levels. They say triple A is valued at twenty million, double A fifteen, high class A ten million, low class A eight million, and rookie league and short season teams at six million dollars. Teams that would be moving up from Class A to Triple A would have to write a $12 million paycheck to move up, and a team that's being asked to move downwards the ladder would get some money. From Triple A to Class A, that'd be $10 million. That's a significant point of contention negotiations, because those valuations bear little resemblance to the prices teams are going for in the open market, meaning ownership sells to other ownership. It's, that's pocket money right there. The proposal even mentions maybe bringing in a pair of independent league clubs. They mentioned the St. Paul Saints, and I think that's the Texas Air Hogs in Sugarland, Texas. That would be coming into end of, in, that'd be coming out of independent ball into affiliated ball. Meaning 42 minor league teams would be cut, and two independent teams would take the place of two of those 42. So, the 42 current teams are on the list to be cut. What happens to them? Well, MLB wants to set up something called the Dream League. Not to be confused with Dream Team. So MLB's looking to push the draft back past the College World Series, meaning after that's settled, there goes the draft, and also looking on making it a 20 to 25 rounder instead of 40 rounds. Those players who go undrafted will have the option of playing in the Dream League or going to independent ball, like the Frontier League or AA. The Dream League would be a joint major minor league baseball venture, but in essence, it's looking more like an independent league itself, just kind of not so independent from MLB, MILB, where the clubs would field teams of undrafted players. Independent ball, eh, most of them are undrafted, undrafted players, but you do have few that have made it through the farm system and have just been cut. So, looking through this, they mentioned the Yankees, currently fielding eight minor league affiliates, which means those eight total can have 285 players under contract. That's a lot. Under this proposal, if it were to go into effect, the Yankees would have to drop as many as 135 players to meet the new restrictions. Right now, there's no restrictions on how many teams, and therefore how many players a team can field. Under this proposal, all MLB teams would be limited to the same number of teams and players. So, meaning, you have the same number of farm teams. And that would make it a little bit more level, so to speak. I can see what this proposal is doing. They're trying to make, you know, everything as even as they can. It mentions here in the Baseball America article, the draft is currently held after most states end high school baseball playoffs. And also, it's the final month of college baseball season, meaning you're in the playoffs as well. The big dance. If the draft were to be pushed back, it could reshape summer showcase circuits, which be your college World Series, because high school seniors have more time post-graduation trying to impress scouts, as well as rework summer college would bet leagues. In the area, you got Great Lakes and Prospect League. That Not only would that really have a seismic effect in minor league baseball, but think about it. College and high school, you're going to have to figure out, you know, how to pass the time for the draft and impress scouts in the meantime. If this were to pass, it's the most dramatic reworking of minor leagues since it was reorganized back in 1962. It's been a while. 
like I mentioned, I can see what they're trying to go for this, but I don't know. I mean, if you have closer spots for teams, you can spend less on travel. That's great. You know, someone asked me, I believe it was Ryan Brent who was asking me on Facebook, can you see Dayton going to AAA? I mentioned I could probably see the Dragons doing that, but I don't know. I don't know if that'd be the move up or not. I mean, I think the Dragons could pull that off. I mean, great field, attendance through the roof. They've sold out every single game. I think Dayton would. And if you look at AAA, you got Columbus, Ohio, just about an hour east. Toledo, up the way, Indianapolis. You keep Louisville and AAA, they're not too far from Dayton. I mean, that could be a pretty nice league. Maybe the Dragons would be part of it. I don't know. My big worry is who's part of the 42 teams. I certainly hope Dayton wouldn't be, because I do like my job with the Dragons around the scoreboard. 42 teams, and most of that staff, what are they doing then? We talk about the players, the coaches, the managers and everything. What about the staff that makes the baseball game go? You know, you need scoreboard ops, you need music, you need announcer. You know, what about the broadcasters? What about the media rights and everything like that? I think that gives us a nice little injunction to move on to RedsMeyerLeagues.com. Again, a four-part series written by Doug Gray. It's very well wrote out, and of course, he focuses on the Reds. He also mentions the original article talks about the Frontier League, but it got edited out. Mentioned they're looking at two spots for independent ball. I mean, St. Paul, that'd be close to Minneapolis, so, you know, Twins could have a farm system there. That wouldn't be bad, but would Saints fans want that? I don't know. And on part one, Doug also mentions about the non-MLB pay jobs at risk. Beyond the jobs paid for by Major League Baseball teams, there's a lot of jobs at risk here, too. The front offices of minor league teams vary in size, depending on who owns them. They've all got a general manager who serves in a role that's very different from, you know, Major League. Where Major League general managers, you can trade players in a way. Minor League, not so much. The general manager is more like the manager of the organization in the non-baseball side of things. There's also broadcaster jobs for each team. Some cases there's photographer jobs, videographer jobs, sales, of course, graphic designers, social media, your concession stand crew, grounds crew, people that are game day ops. Even if it's just 15 part-time jobs and three full-time jobs for organization, that's 18 people losing money per team. MLB wants to keep the towns and teams alive, but I don't know. Doug Gray also mentions, in theory, it's all nice and fine, but it's a theory built on no thought, no structure type of thing. There's a lot to digest in this issue. I think Dayton's safe, but I'm just a broadcaster announcer talking into a microphone telling you that they're safe. I have no grounds on this. Part 2 has a little bit more research. Rich Luker was quoted in a piece from The Athletic earlier this month showing researchers showed that someone who attends their first baseball game major or minor league before the age of 5 will attend 58% more games in their life compared to someone whose first game waits until age 14. So, you start following the sport a lot closer, younger, then you're probably going to come back for more. Which makes sense. Although I would be outside the norm. I don't think my first baseball game was until... High school sometime. It's a Dragons game, too. Was it a Dragons game or was it a Reds game? Pretty sure it was a Dragons game. My big thing is, can you also... If you want to trim minor league baseball by 42 teams, can you still draw folks in and still make baseball America's pastime? I'm not going to read all four parts. I think that's all I'm going to read out of the Baseball America. 
article. You can search it up yourself. But let's think about it. I mean, what would a wave like this do to the Cincinnati Reds? You got five farm teams. Currently, it's AAA Louisville, AA Chattanooga, Advanced A Daytona, Florida, Single A Dayton, Ohio, and you got the Arizona League Reds, as long as the rookie ball teams of the Greenville, Tennessee Reds, and the Billings Mustangs, who been with the Reds since pretty much the closing of the Big Red Machine era. Would it even out? farm system, yeah, if you have the same amount of players and everything. But would that help or hurt the actual major league side of the sport? Would you see more teams that are competitive, or are you going to still see few teams reach a hundred and some losses on the year? Will it save money, too? Eh, maybe. But There is something I'd like to mention on part four of Doug Gray's series, which is titled The Reduction of Minor League Teams and What It Means. I mentioned part four. I had a highlight in here, and now it went away. Another aspect that was mentioned was improvements in travel accommodations. It's a factor no matter where you go. When it comes to travel below AAA, you're taking a bus. You're not flying. In AAA, they fly for most trips. In some leagues, the trips and the buses are long and painful, depending on what type of bus you have. If you have an old bus, just seats and that's it. Nah. If you have a new bus, which costs more money, of course, you have cushioned seats, you got, you know, TVs, internet. The Reds, for example, have recently planned out the road trip schedule better for the players to maximize their rest and sleep schedules, but there's only so much to be done there because you do actually get the destination on time to play the next game. Teams are already doing what they can to try and mitigate the issues with travel. Accommodations and bus travel, it's mostly paid for minor league teams and not by the big league club, meaning, you know, Cincinnati Reds don't have anything to do with Dayton's, you know, travel or anything. Dragons have to come up with that. If you're reshaping the leagues... Getting rid of those long bus rides? Great. I mean, but if you're a team that's going down a level, I mean, if, let's take Louisville, for example. Louisville Bats. It might not be the best, because the Bats have been not great the last few years. But you're accustomed to seeing AAA talent, and also Major League talent coming down for rehab assignments, or just being sent down for another player to be in the majors. If Louisville was asked to move down, what uh, what would the fans' reactions be? Yes, it's still baseball, but it's, you know, AAA, you have a little more experience. You have a little more wear on your tear type of thing. You get what I'm saying. It's a very big splash. Again, it's not finalized. It's not concrete. It's not going to happen. But, big thing I hate about it, people with jobs. People that count on those jobs for money. I mean, what are they going to do? That's the part I don't know. Again, Doug Gray on RedsMinorLeagues.com, four-part series. I suggest you read that, as well as the Baseball America article from J.J. Cooper titled MLB Proposal with 11 42 Minor League Teams. I still think the Dragons be pretty nice AAA, but what happens to Louisville then? Are they asked to move down? And some of these teams are asked to move up. Do they actually have the facilities required to do that? I think Dayton could. I mean, the maximum seating is close to 6,900 now because of the Dragons layer, which is now just mostly sitting out on a porch type thing where for a couple years ago it was an actual thing you could sit in like seats I mean it'd be very very interesting to see how this goes on and as things are decided or whatnot, I'll let you know on this podcast what happens 
Again, nothing's changing right now. The earliest you see these changes, 2021. So you got another season to go through. Hopefully this year, Dragons have a winning club. If you have any thoughts on this, you know, shout them out. I'm all for fan interaction. Give me your thoughts on this. Well, we've come to the conclusion of episode 120. There are two more things I'd like to talk about. The first one, not so much Cincinnati Dayton related. Well, back in the 60s and 70s it was. Before that team moved. You know, Cincinnati Royals. Becoming the Kansas City Omaha Kings and then Sacramento Kings in 85. NBA! It starts today. And there's two games on tap. Both of them are on TNT. First up will be the New Orleans Pelicans taking on the Toronto Raptors from Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. The Raptors, the defending NBA champs. Pelicans have an exciting young core. However, they're going to be Zion Williamson lists for about six to eight weeks. Which I think is a little bit longer when the previous diagnosis came out. So that might be a tough loss for the Pelicans, but it might be nice for New Orleans, and maybe they'll gel better. I don't know, but no Williamson for six to eight weeks. And also, we'll have a battle of Los Angeles at 10.30. I don't know why I say we'll. You know, they will. Technically, I'm not part of the NBA. Lakers at Clippers from the Staples Center. Again, that's on TNT 2, 10.30 tonight. There are several stations to listen to. Tune in if you want to catch it online. Hopefully I can catch Indiana and Cleveland games online this year. In case you're wondering when those two teams start, well, you got to wait till tomorrow. The Detroit Pistons will visit the Indiana Pacers at Bankers Life Fieldhouse tomorrow at 7, which is on Fox Sports Indiana, Fox Sports Detroit, NBA TV Canada, and radio-wise, 93.5 slash 107.5 FM The Fan at 9.50 a.m., Cleveland will be in Orlando to take on the Magic at the Mway Center. That's on Fox, Fox Sports Florida, Fox Sports Ohio, 96.9 the game, 98.1 Salsa Wimus. And in Cleveland, it's WTAM 1100 or 100.7 FM WMMS. Or Spanish, you can get it at 87.7 FM. I think that's Cleveland, Ohio, too. But yeah, I, I can't wait to see what this Pacers team does. A couple of nice signings and Sabonis getting a nice four-year contract yesterday. You know, two days before season starts for the Pacers. That's pretty nice. The Cavaliers, you know, not having LeBron James. I'm not expecting them to really light the sky on fire, but I do like their core. Colin Sexton, I think, will be a very special player. I like Kevin Love. I like that he's open with his struggles with mental health. I wish I was that open with my struggles, but there you go. I'm not a basketball player. I think you probably already knew that, but there you go. In case you're wondering what else is on tap tomorrow, you have Chicago at Charlotte. I don't know how the Hornets are going to do this year. Uh, losing your best player in Walker. Give him a very underwhelming deal. To stay in Charlotte, he wanted to be in Charlotte, but then Boston offers him more money, so he becomes a Celtic. Which, by the way, Boston's at Philadelphia tomorrow at 7.30, and that's the ESPN TV broadcast. Chicago at Charlotte, Detroit at Indiana, Cleveland at Orlando. At 7.30, you got Minnesota at Brooklyn. That should be a pretty exciting season. Had two big signings, one of them Kyrie Irving, the other one being KD. But problem is, KD won't be back for quite some time. Memphis at Miami. You also have Washington at Dallas. The Knicks at San Antonio. Oklahoma City at Utah. Sacramento at Phoenix. And Denver at Portland. Looking at the first two days. No Golden State. They'll play Thursday with the Clippers. Visiting them at brand new Chase Center. You also have Atlanta at Detroit. And Milwaukee at Houston on Thursday. Three games that Thursday, nine on Friday. Toronto's at Boston. Minnesota's at Charlotte. New York Nets at the Brooklyn Nets. Chicago at Memphis. Dallas at New Orleans. Washington at Oklahoma City. Phoenix at Denver. Portland at Sacramento. And Utah at the Lakers. 
I don't tweet as much as I like, uh, just because, you know, if I don't think it's absolutely humorous, I won't tweet it. But it's something I like to start paying attention more. But I don't want to put money down, because I don't have a lot of money, let's be real. So hopefully, like I mentioned, I can find a way to listen to Pacers or Cavs games. So we'll see how that turns out. Last thing does involve Cincinnati. And this is a tweet from Liz Summers, Liz Sum on Twitter. Tonight at the FCC Foundation Ladies Lace-Up event, Jeff Birding just reiterated that the goal is to have Cincinnati's first professional women's soccer team playing at West End Stadium once it gets up and running. So 2021. You might know that rival Louisville just got an NWSL expansion team for 2021. Now, the National Women's Soccer League was looking to have 10 total teams for next year, but Louisville decided, no, that's too short of a turnaround for us to do that, which I think is smart. Cincinnati-Louisville for another soccer rivalry? I like that. Will it happen, though? Well, that's Jeff Birding's plan. But, uh, not official yet. He is saying that he'd like it, and I think that'd be a nice addition to new West End Stadium. But, nothing's pounded out yet. Most of the comments on Twitter I see involve a GoFundMe account to sign Rose Laval to play for the Cincinnati team, which, heck yes, throw me down for a couple of bucks. I always wondered why that's not a bigger thing, women's soccer. And I don't want the, oh, women's sports are in demand, man. Women have just the same amount of right as men do to play professional sports. And I feel like if Cincinnati adds an NWSL team, I think that's huge. And that grows the game in Southwest Ohio even more. And would I support it? Heck yes, I would. There's already people saying that season tickets, they'd be bought once it's announced. And I found this off of Reading, or Reading, Reddit. Reading, the Reddit edition for Reading Ohio, or Reading Ohio. Spelled Reading, leave me alone. So yeah, I actually found something off Reddit. Wow, it's like one time in a year that I found it. Actually, I got emailed about that, so. Yeah, I want to see that happen. Let's make it happen. Also, Cincinnati-Louisville battle. That'd be nice. Very nice. And that will close out episode 120 in an episode that wasn't as super long as last week's. Sorry about that again, but luckily, kept it short for this time round. Also, sorry for those that actually like when I tweet final football scores on Twitter. Didn't get around to this week. It's really tired from Friday. Had a busy weekend. Yeah, I was tired. I never got back to it. And it's Tuesday right now. That'd be silly to tweet out those finals. So, week nine, we'll get it again. 121, you'll hear week nine football scores. And after week 10, we'll talk about football playoffs. So, in two weeks, football playoffs, we'll talk about... Probably talk about the Bengals' loss in England. One could hope they'll win, but... This running game is pathetic. I'm still angry about that. Again, thank you for listening. It's episode 120 of the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. This is Lee W. Mowen, and we'll talk to you again for episode 121. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. To subscribe to the podcast, please visit the leewmowen.com slash podcast. From there, you can choose your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. Interact with the podcast and host on Twitter at the Lee W. Mallon and at Sunday Pod. Like the Facebook page, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and download the free Flick Chat app. Then search for the local Sunday Sports Group to submit your future Mallon's mailbag questions. The closing theme is Lights Go Down by Dan Hennig provided by the YouTube Music Library Collection. This is Lee W. Mowen, and I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Please join me again next week on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. <laughs>